This podcast is reserved for audiences 18 years and older. Hello, and welcome to Leather Talk with Mr. Bullet Leather 2020. I'm your host, Brandon. Today, we are welcoming back to the show Mina Desaad Fatel for part two of our episode together. In this episode, we discuss a balancing of kink and vanilla life, as well as subdom dynamics, and much more. Now, I haven't done this in a while, but before we get started today, I am going to throw out a shameless plug here. If you are an avid listener of the Leather Talk podcast and have not had a chance to check out the Leather Talk Patreon just yet, go online and take a look. For as little as $3 a month, Patreon subscribers gain early access to podcast episodes and exclusive access to other bonus material, like my other regular podcast that is available only on Patreon, where I speak on topics relating to what's going on right now. Some of it is serious, other times it's more lighthearted, fun, kinky, sexy, and always irreverent. Top tier members also have access to photos and other materials not suitable for other social media. So do take a look if you haven't had a chance already. Anything and everything you contribute goes directly towards keeping up the Leather Talk podcast and helps to ensure that we can keep hearing these very important personal stories from individuals within the Leather and Kink communities. You can find that page by going to patreon.com and searching for Leather Talk Mr. Bullet. And I will also have that listed in my link tree below in the description of this episode. With all that said, let's sit back, relax, and get ready for some more Leather Talk. This is Brandon, your Mr. Bullet Leather 2020, and today we are welcoming back to the show Mina Desaad Fatel. Hi, Mina. Good morning. Hello, hello. Staying kinky, I hope, over the last always. week or so. Always, <laughs> always. I try. I, I sprinkle a little here and there, no matter what I do. You know, <laughs> try to try to keep it alive. Try to keep it alive. Love it. <laughs> well, last week we kind of got off on talking a little bit about as we were wrapping up our f- part one sort of our balance between like our vanilla lives and I, I, our kink lives, I guess you could say. Mm-hmm. And I want to talk a little bit about that because I think both you and I work, I guess you would say with like education or mentoring. And I always find it difficult to explain to people that I can be more than just a teacher. I can be more than just a musician. Like just because this is how I engage with you in the day to day doesn't mean that I also have things that I don't do on my own. And then that should be okay, right? Like, and I think like, there's a huge stigma, especially with like education and everything like that, of like, people actually being adults on their off time. <laughs> like, um, I'm just curious, like what your views are on that and how you choose to balance that for yourself. Well, I, I try my best not to think my life is completely gauged on the whole astrological or how you, uh, your lifestyle guides your your chart, <clears throat> but I am a Libra, <laughs> and, um, and, uh, and and as some of us know, us Librans like to keep a balance. Well, we try, we try. Um, no, I, I honestly, uh, through my, let me just narrow it down to the real deal. 
I've learned watching other people as I grown in my youth to my adult life, that balance is key. Mm. I've seen folks live in excess or in depravity of their actual true desires and how later on in life it ended up going in a really bad direction. So too much of a good thing and too little or depriving what's considered a good thing is bad. And learning that really early, you know, based on some of the things I mentioned in our first, you know, interview, I, I had a very um, broad lifestyle. I had a household of individuals who were battling their own, you know, personal battles. And they had friends who also kind of displayed their transitions in their lives and their ways of living and what they had to sacrifice to be who they are, as well as the things that, you know, they wanted to keep from who they were. Mm -hmm. And myself, who I've also had my own challenges. I'm not going to lie. I, I, I went through years of thinking and, and also pondering the transitional viewpoints of maybe transitioning my own gender as well, because I do feel connected to more than one side of myself. But mm -hmm. then I also enjoy the fact that I want to do so many things with my body that I would not have been able to do if I have done some of those changes readily. <clears throat> and, you know, and since having a, having a child. So I needed that balance of, okay, well, you're going to have a child. How are you going to balance your kink along with yourself identity of how you see yourself and how others see you? And then mm. how are you going to work that in your day, your day life, your day job, along with your evening interests, your other profession, and also your own personal hobbies, aka lifestyles, mm -hmm. under all that. And it was little by little. It took a lot of time. I'm still doing it now. I don't think it's ever something that you completely solve at the instance, and then it just goes as is, you know, for the rest of life. You're all, you know, as you get older, you're learning, evolving creature. You, you learn new things. Certain yucks are yums. Certain yums turn into yucks. Mm -hmm. And and if that, that happens, you're balancing that out as you've transitioned from those interests into new interests. Same thing with work. Same thing with life. I, in my in my day-to-day -day life, I love jobs and or interactions with individuals that I feel like I'm contributing as, the, as well as um, assisting somebody in the betterment of their selves. Mm. Um, I've worked with my mom and my grandmother and my family. We've all had jobs or service jobs, maybe nursing in the most hardest, you know, field. My mom's currently an uh, isolation hospice nurse. Hmm. My grandmother prior her, you know, like, you know, her mom, my grandma, she was as well. I used to help her out on weekends along with my mother with certain patients. These are things that because... I understood the type of life you have to have to have that type of, to do that type of work. Mm -hmm. I wanted to contribute that, but death was too much for me. I got too attached to, to patients. I wanted to give and, but also feel like I'm learning in the, in the, in the transition. I didn't want to be a traditional teacher per se, because I feel like I'm just regurgitating information mm -hmm. that's already been stated. We all can just go. And now in our life stands, we can go online and take a class on our own. And we don't even necessarily have to interact with a human being to do that. Yeah. I work better one-on-one. -on -one. My day job requires me to protect individuals as well as kind of give them their life 
you know, uh, uh, lessons in a more tactful manner, (laughs) but real manner. And Mm -hmm. um, I deal with adults and adult children um, transitioning uh, youth who also are trying to figure out how to work in the world with their disabilities, as well as individuals who came from very hard environments and in culture shock environments. And we're helping them be able to manage that well, have, get, take care of their education along the way. Mm-hmm. That's the day job. Now, when I walk away from that, I, as I mentioned, I believe in my first interview, I have a son and he's in the spectrum and I spend 25 hours with a therapist a week learning, pruning and working with him and his skills and then turning around and re-evaluating and reinforcing those skills when they're absent, the therapist said that. Mm-hmm. So it's constantly learning, growing, learning and growing. And then I turn around and take those same patience and skills with my mentees, my submissives, my masochists, my good friends who, you know, see me kind of like a godmotherly figure, but we're also good friends because I would consider them my equals, even though maybe the quote unquote skill set at the time may not necessarily be equal. That's why they're coming to me for some advice or coming to me to learn certain types of skills. But you still have to treat them just like how you would do it in a quote-unquote traditional environment. We're all human beings. Mm. It doesn't change. May it be the dungeon, the play space, a school, or a, a learning institution or taking a master class. It's all still in taking some sort of knowledge. Now, how you teach people and apply it and you learning from it is different. And that's why I feel like sometimes I wish I can take certain things in certain areas a certain way. And for the past, I want to say 20 so on years, I've been trying to teach myself or learn a method that I can merge both. And I've been exercising them this last couple of years now that I had made mistakes both as in my DS life and learning new things in my vanilla life that can transition and mold and better me as a dominant as well as better me as a individual in my vanilla world mm-hmm. in my vanilla world i'm very i don't know I, I i i like to say i'm a little bit more different than what people see me in my ds world i'm very loud and very like um to the point in my ds life and kind of brash sometimes come off like can be a little arrogant but it's not arrogance it's like pride of anything um prideful that I'm able to be in an environment and have an interest that not just a lot of people I know are into but I I find it to be an art Mm -hmm. you know it's a magic it's an art it's a little bit of everything it just depends on how you want to see it but then it only can be utilized and appreciated in certain environments in my day life, you, having that same energy, wanting to still have that type of action, I do that in another environment. Mm. You know, I transition it more of in like a maternal, paternal feel. I, as I mentioned, some of my, you know, students and staff call me sir or ma'am, and it's not to be um, derogatory. It's because that's the energy they feel with me. Mm. I have some students that lack. Um, or didn't have now that they're young adults, like they're 18, 19, uh, 
the parental strength, but the straight up like reality spec that they get with me and our staff. And therefore mm-hmm. they can relate and come to me with things that they probably wouldn't be able to come to their parents with. And they don't have those type of adults in their life to help them. It's really interesting that you kind of bring up like the energy and that how you kind of take the same energy and apply it in different ways throughout your life. Because mm-hmm. I feel like, <clears throat> and and you also mentioned like, you you know, I've made mistakes and I'm learning on growing and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, just based off of kind of what you're doing, I can, I can relate. I feel like what you're doing right now is, is being a leader, a, a guide and a mentor in many ways, not just to your students and staff at school, but like also in like your kinky dom life. And the thing about being a good leader, I was talking about this yesterday with one of my friends and we were talking about like what makes a good dom and what doesn't. And I'm a switch. So I go back and forth. And one way that I'll find out right away that uh, a dom is like, this isn't going to work. At least it doesn't work for me, but I would I would venture to say that this blanket statement is, well, I'll just tell you, like, they'll, if a dom gets you to a threshold where you feel like you're not able to push through that threshold, mm-hmm. like, the, in my mind, I want the dom to feel that energy, help me ride that threshold, and see if they can lead me to go further. Not push mm-hmm. me over the edge or give up and say, well, then do whatever the fuck you want then if you're not going to do what I say. Because it's not about them. I mean, it is about them as a dom, but it's about being a good dom is I feel like leading someone into a space where they're able to do something outside of themselves, able to get to a place where they couldn't go before without the leadership and guidance of the dominant. And I find those mirror very equivalently in my life as a teacher, for example, to to have a student reach a a new goal or reach a new aspiration or reach some kind of new level where they never thought they could, you know, reach. It was just like this distant thing. And Mm -hmm. now you take them to a step where they're like, oh my God, I can do it, you know? And maybe that's just in my mind, but I mean, that's just kind of like my takeaway from that whole energy kind of thing is to really be a guide and a leader. Well, your day job as both what we do is an energy-induced environment type of work. We have to fill out, depending how you want to see them, your student, your client, your your mentee. You have to understand where they are in their life with their skill, with the, with the actual subject that they're coming to you with. They're coming to you with vulnerability already. Mm-hmm. I don't know something. I don't care if you're uh, a child or an adult. I don't know if this is just my personal view, but I was kind of raised slightly all American and European minded. And I currently, and for the last, I want to say 16 years have been involved with the um, European traditional all women Masonic group. And a lot of it is a lot of philosophical, you know, in touch with ourselves and how we can help others in the same way. Mm. I've learned that educationalist individuals who pour themselves in a view that they want to help teach or give or share what they've learned in their experience to others who are looking and needing that type of information comes from a place of individuals who also um, enjoy a nice glass of knowledge themselves. Mm -hmm. We're constantly learning about our craft of the things that we are teaching, as well as as we're trying to give out that information to those who seek it from us. 
And so I was told by a former master, you know when you're done with your craft and not in a good way that it's no longer suiting you when you think you know all about it. Mm-hmm. You're supposed to always feel like you're always an understudy no matter how far in your levels because that's what keeps you continue learning, enjoying, and also feeling humbled by what you're trying to learn and what it is that you're trying to you know digest and obtain. Mm-hmm. Now, regular traditional school where I'm where I'm involved in, they're trying to obtain, you know, a document so that they can feel like they arrive and that they can better themselves in the outside world. What you are teaching them is an art and a craft that, you know, that is not always readily taught in a traditional environment. And therefore, they really are seeking a specialty knowledge. And yeah, you're giving them something that they can't get from everybody. Mm-hmm. as well as a submissive and a dominant dynamic and or mentee and mentor dynamic, you are seeking a specialty interest that you could not find other individuals were able to, or yourself to find all the, all the tools to on your own. Mm-hmm. So now you're hoping to give trust into a whole nother stranger, no matter if you met them at the bar or hung out with them or seen them at the dungeon, that they understand your vulnerability and then work with you when you're ready to go to the next level. Because mm-hmm. some folks can digest everything in a weekend, you know, like, you know, uh, educational workshop and da-da, and they can walk away and they can go as they like. But there's some folks like myself that like to be able to fill out my, my mentees. I have mentees mm-hmm. there with me for years because just because they learned the actual technical skill does not necessarily mean that they're done. You're going to go mm. into actual psychological, emotional, and physical, you know, scenarios yes. and individuals that you're yes. going to need folks to come and talk to that know you like how you are and how you operate as a person and in the DS and, you know, mindset that you can go, okay, baby girl, what's up? My sub is tripping. I've told him that if he was coming at this time for his session, it's supposed to be at this time. He's talking about starting the session at this time. I, I, I said, now let's listen to that to that whole sentence. What did I tell you about professional submissives and what you need the guideline to explain to them at the get-go and what you need to remind them so they don't think you're disrespecting them or using them. And then also the fact of the matter that they should know better, that the mm-hmm. session starts at the time that they walk in the door. Exactly. So them trying to start at this time for this, this, and this is, is not even to be a topic of conversation, correct? Oh my goodness, thank you so much. I totally forgot about that. Sometimes it's not a thing of, oh, I'm teaching you something, you learn something along the way. Sometimes you need reassurance. Sometimes you need an actual camaraderie understanding with another individual in your lifestyle that get where you're going and also help you hit those walls and break through them so that you can excel to other feats. Mm-hmm. And then at that point, if your mentor has hit a ceiling with you that they have taught you everything that you can with them and now you want to learn other things that's not their interest, it's now that part for them to help you find another educationalist who can now take over the basically the baton from that point and move you forward or help you find the tools necessary for you to go with your own baton and run forward with you. That's mm-hmm. the whole deal. Same thing in the type of work you're doing in the daytime, seeing how I do it in the daytime for myself is the same thing as how we do it in our DS dynamics and how we should interact with one another. And sometimes to be quite frankly honest in our romantic dynamics and our interactions with just human beings as a whole and lifestyle and or people on the street at the market. And I know we don't think that they all intermingle, but they all do because honestly, you're supposed to be the same pace and pe- person and mindset through everything in life. But I think we've been taught and raised mainly again 
and mainly it's a mindset, I think, more of like the Western United States viewpoint that you can't do that. I think I think what you you make a good point. I think it can be the same. It's just that that energy may manifest itself in a different way. That's a yeah. Like that's either um, what's the word that I'm saying? Um, it, It works for that moment in time. Right. Yeah. So like maybe the kinky BDSM subdom dynamic leadership, whatever, all of that is to the extreme in, mm-hmm. and manifests itself in a sexual manner. But when you're out in the real world, like that energy may manifest itself in another way that yeah, is it might suited. be more endearment. It right. might be more of like, you know, like a a, a French, <laughs> a friend or what I call a platonic energy. But you care mm-hmm. so much about this person as a friend. You want to see them to do better. Therefore, you're helping them in this viewpoint or giving them tools needs for them to get to the to the point that they need to be. Um, I think all of us should just think that everything in life is one learning, growing experience. May it be learning how to cook toast to basically get your ass up ready for work every day. Mm-hmm. And if we see it that way, we kind of will take the pressure off of our own selves and forgive ourselves a lot more for a lot of things that it doesn't hurt so much to be vulnerable and or to pat ourselves on our backs when we do learn something and that we have honed something and that we can move forward to learn more. Um I give all of my mentees a timeline. Um, You have X amount of months or X amount of years with me based on the interest and what type of experience you would like to have with me. Some want to have the slave to master experience because a lot of the folks that I happen to work with happen to be switches who either professionally or or in their play life, they're dominant. Mm -hmm. And in their personal energy, they're submissive to certain things, but it's not sexual. And that's why they prefer to have certain things with their romantic partners. And then they they can have their other things with me in a DS type Mm -hmm. of relationship. Mm -hmm. And then when they do make that, I'm a master now, or I'm a mistress now, or I'm at this plateau that I can be almost considered to be a colleague, you know, we could still have that dynamic after, you know, the play party that we're seen as equals to come back to the room and then they could still submit to me because they feel that energy with me outside of the, you know, the uh, uh, evident environment that mm-hmm. we are in. And I feel blessed to have that because it is hard to say, hey, no, I'm into this, this and this as a dominant, but as a submissive, I require this, this and this. And it's not always given in a romantic environment. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't have sex with my play partners or my, I guess, the missives or any of that type of stuff, um, because it's kind of sometimes with some people, it's kind of messes up the learning experience because my learning energy is more like a almost like a paternal teacher type of thing, you know, Mrs. Garrett type energy. And I'll mess up that whole thing. Yeah. You don't have sex with Mrs. Garrett. I mean, if you do, that's different. I mean, she is hot. You know? <laughs> I do like gingers. I do like scene. older women, but that's different. Okay? <laughs> Just saying. Not trying to offer to oneself. That's really sure how it'd be. But that's just how I teach people. And that's how I educate folks. I try to leave it open that it's like, no. We're learning something together. I'm learning how to teach somebody because mm-hmm. it's different every single time. Yes. It's never, ever the same. No one has been equal. They've like had their own different, you know, 
types of interests. They have their own learning methods. Some need constant interaction. Some need to come to me when they are ready. Um, some of them need actual structure environment. Some of them, their life is extremely busy. So it's more so check-ins and figure outs. And sometimes the mentorship is more of a camaraderie interaction with minds versus I'm teaching you something. It's more like a peer council type of, mm. we sit down, you come to me with some things that you're like, you already have some answers, but you need someone else to kind of go, well, let's sit down and look at them together. Let's spread everything on the floor. Maybe you missed something that, you know, was stuck to another uh, idea. And that's the answer. It always comes to that point. I mean, I go to other elders with some of my concerns, especially when it comes to leather lifestyle, you know, mindset. It's totally different than my DS. You know, my DS protocols and my leather protocols are alike in a sense that I like to have them pretty stringent. I do enjoy a high protocol or conservative type of mindset of play when I am there. It helps get me and my bottom in the same mental headspace. Mm -hmm. Like, hey, you know, I'm the one in charge and I have to take responsibility of wherever this goes. But you have the responsibility of also letting me know when is when and how is what and what is allowed. Right. And even though that might sound to like a regular person that doesn't understand, you know, the DS or the leather dynamics as, well, that just means that you're not in charge. I'm like, no, I am. Mm -mm. I'm yeah. in charge with their toy box. They have given me a very sacred thing inside their psyche and their body that not everyone got to see. And I'm allowed to go and dig in there and utilize it on my own. But they have to give me the key to unlock it. That's mm -hmm. something that, 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 that I can't take. That has to be given. That's where the psychological part comes in that they now say, no, I'm giving this to you. You, you are now, I'm entrusting that you know now how I need to be taken care of at this point. And the dance is now that I need to learn based on your actions, based on your sights and your sounds, how your reflections are and what you're really trying to say underneath all that keep you safe mm -hmm. and give you a, an experience that you can be able to say that it's okay to be in that mindset or to, to give up that power. Nina, you have so many things running in my head right now. We could literally talk about this for like two more hours, but well, we I'm got just, things to do. I'm just going to touch the on the last thing. <laughs> okay. So I'll just give you a few quick points and you could just yes. kind of jump off of whichever ones mm -hmm. uh, you feel like. Uh, first of all, the last thing you said, it, it kind of makes me laugh uh, because it reminds me of this porn that I saw. But I, I, I feel like it's pretty valid. There is this leather man and he's like, he's like mentoring this other dominant how to use his sub. And this sub is like on the floor. He's bound. He's tied. And they're doing impact play. And he goes um, like halfway through the porn. He's like, you have to make sure you always check in with your sub. He's like, as much as we like to remind him that he's a piece of meat for our pleasure and enjoyment, he is a human being and he does have limits. And so he goes and whispers in his ear and he goes checking in like, how are you doing? How much more can you take? Are we at a threshold? And he checks in with him. And I was like, the way he did it, I like, I'm, I'm not doing it like, the, the way it was in the porn, but the way he did it was so sexy. And it, it like made the dog, it made the submissive feel like he could do more, you know? And I was like, that's, that's the kind of energy that I want to see, like in that sub dom space where you feel well, like you're being guided somewhere, you know, in a safe way. Well, the whole ideal 
the whole deal. Hold on, put the ideal on them. Wheel it back. <laughs> the whole deal uh-huh. is this you the whole like releasing of one's energy. Yeah. Now, subs and slaves, no matter they are different. They're not the same, kitties. Remember, they're not the same. They happen to be on the spectrum of one's giving energy away to the other. But a slave who says, no, I'm, I trust you entirely to the point that I am going to check out and enjoy this ride because we've already have came to a trust level that you should already know what I can and cannot handle. Mm. And a submissive is an individual that's like, no, I'm going to let you know right now, giving away my power to you. Yeah, there's some reserves as well. Mm. But I entrust you with the selective I, things that I feel that I'm comfortable releasing and, and, and giving to you. And there might be some clauses because the fact of the necessity of X, Y, and Z. Mm-hmm. Now, it doesn't mean that you can't fluctuate from one to another. You know, I know some that came in as a switch and later on they were called slaves. I've known some later on that started as slaves and there are some badass fucking doms right now. It really is an experience yeah. and it is a wave. And then when you do see that comfortable connection of one or multiple parties to a dominant that feel that they can entrust them with their body and their mind, even being lent to a whole another individual mm-hmm. is because they already know that this person outside of the DS dynamic circumstance that's happening before your eyes. They mm-hmm. have a relationship, a friendship, an understanding that they already know. This motherfucker's not going to have me put in a situation that this other person's going to hurt me. Yeah. I already know. I see some crazy shit on that table. But my dominant or my master mistress, et cetera, whatever salutation of comfort they have, knows what I'm, I'm down to do. So let me just check out and enjoy this thing with some new person who's, huh. Something to think about later on when my sir or my male or whoever does what they're going to do with me later. You know, there's yeah. there's always, a, you know, there's always a benefit. I, I love watching scenes like that myself. Like, as I love a lot of psychological scenes. I started mainland psychological. I started teaming up and taking mentorships other under other doms predominantly for impact and more how to be on a more professional level but as a in my personal toolbox what i came in as a person that started as a talk um i was more psychological i had a lot of physical and still do um situations that my body can't take a lot and i use and because my immune system's really uh i when i play with somebody i'm i'm out for the count for a week too mm-hmm. physically and I have to drag my ass to my day job hurting and in pain because I put all my all into my bottom. It's a little bit of a sacrifice. You know, you, you know, the hominid doesn't just reap the benefits of someone calling them, you know, their, their top and then giving their power to them. It's also a physical and psychological exchange of, you know, pushing your limitations as mm-hmm. a dominant to also bring your submissive and slave to a psychological and physical space that they entrust you can only give them. And yeah. when you do that and you see that with others or you are able to give that to someone else, it is a high that you want to constantly chase. But it's something you should also relish mm-hmm. because it's an experience and moment that is not just given to anybody 
And, you know, you might only have it once or you might be blessed to be someone that they continue to do that with. And if you're able to harness that experience with someone, may you be a bottom slave or a top, whatever the circumstances of the, you know, of the negotiation, you're, you're constantly trying to chase that energy all the time, mm-hmm. every time you play. And hopefully it's different every time. And hopefully you hit that sweet spot in, in the times that you don't try something different either way. Um, I try my best when I felt comfortable feeling able to say, no, this is what I am. And this is where I seek. And this is where I want to stay because I would like to try to say I'm a, I'm switchy. I would like to try to say that. Switchy. <laughs> I, try, I think I, I think I have some of that in me, but mine's is different. Like I like, being um i like being dressed up and silent Mm. for when i first started as a dominant i had to go through some training because again i said there was a moment in life when i had to lose my leathers and gain them back i actually took a step backward altogether i did not feel confident going back as a dominant anymore and i wasn't gonna be until i felt like i earned myself back Mm. and I went to my, 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 my former mentor and still a person in my life, uh, Mr. Cyan, and sat down with her crying, saying, I, this is not a game to me. It's not me trying to win my ego back or my persona or anything like that. No, it's, this has been a great big chunk of who I think I'm going to be in my adult life. And I really don't want to lose myself to something as, um, as a mistake or, or an experience I never had before that unfolded not in the way that I was expecting. Mm-hmm. And I think her knowing that me being extremely vulnerable, because most tops and doms I know have a hard time saying they did wrong. I never had, I never saw myself as a dominant, but I just knew I played the role of such because that's just my life. I've always have been in effed up or in good situations that the reins were just given to me and I'm like, okay, mm-hmm. I'm down to do it. So I think my switchiness is I'm a service switch. I'm very okay. service oriented. I want to give and that's how I get off. Mm. I give off, I get off of the experience of the other person. It doesn't have to be sexual. The the mental aspect that I know that I made that person smile or decompress or release whatever that is that was necessary for them to get up and be the wonderful person that they're going to be for the rest of the week until I have to play with them next, honestly, is what gets my goat. Mm. Um, And I was trying to find a way how that can be, you know, useful in DS without it, me losing bottoms and stuff, because most of the folks I come in contact with are purely sexual and I have nothing against that. Um, I just figure I wanted to be that one person they don't have to do that with. Yeah. So when I lost my leathers and I felt like I was a submissive all over in my head, because I felt like I didn't deserve to be handling another person's body. My mentor was like, okay, let's strip you down to nothing and rebuild you back up. Let's take all the parts off. Let's steam clean everything. And let's put you back to original specs and let's Mm -hmm. see what you need. And I did everything from cleaning other leather members' households, um, literally walking into their vanilla home and cleaning their house, you know, from helping at events already, which I didn't see that as me actually like, you know, giving, like 
this is not how I don't feel like this is earning. This is me doing what I'm supposed to do. My job is to fucking serve. Like in my mm-hmm. head, it was like, it was, it was a really, it was a hard fight. And then being told that life is full of mistakes being noticed, corrected, understood, and then you move on knowing better and not taking it like you're wounding your ego because, oh, you fucked up. So therefore this is not what you're supposed to do is the whole ideal of knowing that you have the tools to become a master if you want to become such a thing. Cause that was something I did want to become. I didn't, I wanted to be a master, not a mistress, nothing, nothing, nothing wrong with that. So let me clarify that real quick. Um, how I was raised in my kink life and in my dynamics, uh, mistress is a female uh, representative of the masculine counterpoint, master. And supposedly both of them are the head of house. And certain inspects, because of my um, professional life, a mistress is also, you know, another woman who tells you what to do. She's also your dominant, but domina and a mistress is not the same. And I was more of a domina. And so when I was working for, you know, my degree in becoming a, a master, <laughs> as we like to say in the community, mm. I did not want to be um, seen as this sexual feminine energy. I kind of wanted to be this androgynous energy that just happens to come in a feminine pod, you know, like, like pod, yeah. but, but it's not the same. And I wanted the hard work of leather men masterhood. I learned it in books. Most of the men in my life, when I did later on, was out in my queer life, were gay males, Mm -hmm. you know. And therefore, when they were going to the leather bars, which some of them didn't like me coming in, which I was fine with because I wasn't ready yet. I was fine with learning from their attributes, their experiences. And I turned to Mr. Cyan, went, how can I have that experience? You know, I see myself more as a leather boy. I don't want the girl experience. You know, I, I, I like more of the high protocol aspects. You know, I aspired a military mentality because the fact that came from a household of military brats, as well as I went to junior ROTC in high school and in college and was at one point thinking about going to the service. But at the time when I was ready to go to the service, I was way out and was part of many organizations in the gay and queer community. And I was not accepted for some of the fact that some individuals in my current class already let them know about my political and or sexual orientation, Mm -hmm. um, which broke their heart because these are guys who were sending me flowers on my birthdays and (laughs) fruit fruit baskets. No, I'm not kidding. The recruiting office, when my birthday came around or holidays, Valentine's days, I received gifts from like the Air Force, the Army, the Marines. I mean, my fifth and sixth period for high school from 10th grade, my second semester, 10th grade on to my senior year. And for my first two years of junior college, I basically was teaching ROTC for my actual credit. I was in the military drill team. I was spinning rifles. I was, yeah, I I really thought I was, in my head, I was going to be a military boy when I grew up. It was really interesting how it transitioned to being a femdom. But (laughs) that's the thing about myself. And when she gave me that experience, I've learned through the leather life, it's more of a mindset, it's a philosophy, it's a way of life. 
just like my other philosophical, uh, I guess you could say, um, hobbies or interests or viewpoints. And I, I clung to that deeper than regular kinky BDSM. I'm, I, the philosophical mindset and the philosophical living, is, is, I think I'm more leather. And mm. then my outer shell or how I dress and how I appear is more BDSM. Does that okay. make sense? Okay. So first of all, let me just say that um, it's interesting that you talk about the, the energy. I feel like certain people have a certain presence and the only way i could like describe it maybe this is just my catholic boy coming out <laughs> but oh no it's no, like be it's like being in the presence of like i don't know like someone like mother Teresa, who's like uh you know the the quiet calm type but when she walks into a room like there's like a presence like that kind of experience yeah. there's certain people in this like in the world that i've had that experience with and like one of them, for example, is like Mistress Cyan. She walks in like you have she has like this energy, like she knows who she is. She's done it. She's been there. She's growing. She's changing. She's still like this, like like an entity, like a power. Yes. Oh, my and, God. Yeah. And like there's certain people. And when I saw when I met you, you actually you have a lot of that energy. I think that's why when when we cross paths, I, I had to turn back around and be like, I need to talk to this person because I, I I feel like I'm kind of sensitive to that. And like you do have an energy that you walk with. And I think it comes from the the life experience of making the mistakes and coming back from that and earning your place back, you know, in, in the way that you and Mr. Cyan and, and your whole, you know, everything that you've been through is a world of experience. And I want to kind of tag back to something you said earlier where mm -hmm. you said you can go into like a, a leather weekend and learn all the skills, right? But that's yeah. only that's only part of it. And I, I, I guess I can relate to this only through music. You can learn the skills on the violin, but yeah. at what point does it become art? There's an infinite amount of layers there that can only come over time and practice and mm -hmm. and introspection. And when, is it, when is it your art? There's and when is it yours? Exactly. There's people I know that they mm -hmm. can fucking play the hell out of double bass, mm -hmm. but they can't create their own scores. Mm -hmm. I can sit down and I can hum stuff and they can write the music and they can incite it. I'm still learning my comfort zones with double bass. I'm a bass player, but my heart is double bass. And I watch my other like comrades and I'm like, yours, I can hear the song, but your soul's not in it. That's mm -hmm. the same thing. Mm -hmm. I know folks who are fucking badass floggers and lithists and beautiful artists and artisans. When they drop needles and when they do certain speeds, I'm like, that's right, bitches, applaud. But I also can't feel the complete energy. I can see that they're doing a technical, you know, a show for us. And that is fucking great. I'm not mad at that. But I want a little more. Mm -hmm. I like feeling when a person, when they do something with someone, the other person, you could tell they enjoy it, no matter how simple or complex the feat is. And the individual who applied the skill set, not just has the confidence that they can do it, but they did what they know was going to do the job, no matter how simple or complex this, the feat is. Mm -hmm. And that's what I enjoy about watching or committing a scene or playing or having it maybe just purely words. I always wanted the type of air that you explained that Miss Cyan has. Mm -hmm. I want to be not able to have to use a lot of words, but you understand what I'm saying. And I want to also be able to give you an experience and you know that it's yours and it's not 
the same, I can't duplicate it with anybody else. Mm -hmm. And that was something that I wanted to hone as not just as an artesian of the DS arts, because I tell folks, oh no, I I am a technical artist, but I'm also, you know, a you know, believe in a philosophy of, you know, the DS dynamic. And so therefore I'm constantly trying to learn ways of how to help be a better, I guess you could say dominant ongoing, no matter now that quote unquote, I have my masterhood, mm-hmm. no matter, I don't want to ever say, I think I know it all. Cause I don't, I've learned something new with every new person that I have a, you know, mentee or play experience with. I have some people that I played with for six or seven years. And there's some folks that once they were done with their five years that they went on to do big and better things. I have some folks after their five years, they've came back and they still ask me questions here and there. And that's what I wanted. I don't mm-hmm. want to be some sort of, you know, oh, it's Madame Desaad, they're this, this, and that. Or it's Madame Master, this, this, and that. No, yeah. I want to be like, no, it's Madame Master. They're always here mm-hmm. whenever you need them. Yeah, I know you had a fight with them 10 years ago, but if you just send them a message, they'll still talk to you as if like you've been their friend forever. That's something I want to give so that a person feels comfortable sending me their vulnerability or gifting me with their vulnerability. I've learned that's what I I enjoy as a dominant is being that person. Yeah, and I think it it also like proves or it it also like... um takes the case in point, I guess you could say, of like, you can actually, I, I think you can actually look all this stuff up on YouTube if you really want to and learn Done. the skills. But when you, like, you're not a vending machine. You're you're a person. No. And, thank you. Like, it's not. <laughs> Where, like, somebody, that's the thank you. That's beautiful. <laughs> please coin that. Make it a meme. Because that is for real. That is for real. Yeah. Go, please. No, yeah, yeah. And it's just like when when you have an experience with somebody, that's the point of like kink and BDSM, right? Mm-hmm. It's not like the skills are, are part of it and you need those to be in place for excellence and 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 for there to be really no distractions in the experience that you're trying to get your headspace into. Like if the person's mm-hmm. flogging and he's fucking up and he's hitting you in the kidneys and shit, that's a Word. distraction. Word. You know? But um like we need the skills, but what about taking you to that space? And you can't do that over YouTube like you can no. with a person. No, like, and, and, and I'm, I don't know what, uh, and plus, like you said, you said it best. In the scene that you described a few minutes ago, between the dominant being basically utilized as a teaching bottom to another uh, mistress he was, you know, basically mm-hmm. educating, he or they, because I, I don't know if I have it correct, they all he already knew how to explain to his bottom and already understand what they needed. And they also had a psychological understanding that one's not going to let the other one be used. May the top be used by this mistress, may this bottom be used both by the mistress and the top. None of that's happening. This is all in a good space and place. You can't get that feeling of a complete scene without the psychological understanding and the emotional releases that allow the body to do the juices to do the thing. Mm -hmm. And I, even if I'm not trying to get you to a sexual place, I have no problem that it does that to you. Matter of fact, that makes me feel double, you know, special because you already understand my sense, but you, you felt safe enough to know that I'm not going to shame you for it. 
and the fact that you felt that you were able to have that safety space with me is great. And it's not just, okay, I knew what to physically do to get you there and done. No, yeah, it's more like, no, I had to talk to you. And he was talked to his, whatever little words he said to his bottom made him melt like butter enough to be like, do as you need, Miss Thing. Do what mm-hmm. you need to do. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't care what you do to me because my master but... just told me a few things. I am good to go. Yes. <laughs> and that's something that, you know what I mean? And that was that actually that would have did it for me. I would have already creamed the chones once he what? once I saw him lean over. I was like, oh and scene. You don't even have to hit him no more. I'm done. I think was... you are in this, the video right here. Only a minute, two and a half. It was <laughs> so good. No. <laughs> So I'll have to send you the link to this porn, but, um, (laughs) so the first time I was flogged was actually at the bullet bar and I kind of did it as like, um, well, I wanted to experience it, but I was also with one of my girlfriends who was a little bit like exploring some things. And I was like, Hey, if you get flogged at the taster booth, like I'll get flogged at the taster booth. Right. Yeah. And so we get up there. She actually, I think she went first, actually, she was really brave. Um, one of my great friends for many years. And then I got up there and I thought, oh, like, I didn't know what to expect. I'm like, yeah, people are getting flogged or whatever. But uh, what I didn't realize was the intricacies. And I'm a daddy's boy, so I like that daddy boy energy. And this guy was mm-hmm. an older daddy. And he he didn't, I mean, like, he didn't go, like, all hardcore on me or anything. But what he what really got me was he could tell when I was, like, wincing and like mm-hmm. uh, uh, and then he would come up to me stroke my back and whisper in my ear and it was like so sexy and I remember one moment where he like whispered in my ear and he goes um he said something like I like I can tell like we're at your, your threshold here um like if it's too much let me know and then he's like if you want to go further he goes I want to take you further and I was like, oh, and scene. Oh, oh, take me further. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, oh my God, like that's what I want. Yeah. And that's the thing people need to understand. And you don't get to see that as, well, you don't, you see it, but you don't feel it or understand it unless yeah. you're the two parties at hand that are going through it together when you're watching it as a person enjoying the scene as a third party. And that's the thing because I do performance art with DS and fetish, trying to convey that mm-hmm. while also keeping the sanctity and the and the inner, like I wanna say, uh, yeah, sanctity is a good word of it, of that energy you just had with that gentleman when he flogged you, because that's, 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 you basically went, I was down to do this because I'm being a trooper <laughs> and, it sounds, <laughs> and it sounds like fun, why not? But then you already went in going as your as your switch energy, like, no, I'm I'm uh-huh. doing basically a public service announcement here. I'm just doing a public service. Yeah. But then <laughs> no, you did, because you know, you were there with homegirl. But yeah. then but then because he was able to again, this is the this is the thing you don't learn just by watching YouTube videos. It's based on one-on-one experiences, also being guided by other, you know, experienced yeah. tops in your interest. Uh-huh. And as yourself watching and learning your skill and honing your adult energy, your, your top energy, yeah. when you watch your bottom, may they be a stranger or your own, that is where you are learning. And I'm taking my hand and and scrolling it down and nailing my head down. That's <laughs> 
Like the top energy. Because a real top, a real dominant, a real yeah. master mistress, or individual who feels that they are honing their real own in the in that department. Yeah. Your whole deal is watching your human being in front of you. It's a tabula rubella. It's a beautiful piece of clay. You're molding it. You're mm -hmm. painting on it. You're also chiseling it away. And you're trying to make it just right and perfect. But the only way you can make it just right and perfect is understanding what type of material we're working with. Mm. You're working with clay, a little water on your fingers and massage through and you'll guide it. And if you go with its curves, it will melt in your hand and you can mold it any way you want. And if that's the case, pushing it to a higher threshold pain that they may not have been used to mm -hmm. or even think that they can go because your fingers were just wet enough to smooth it little by little till you whittled it down to just the right shape. The individual who is being shaped doesn't even notice that they're taking on more than what they were psychologically or emotionally or physically could handle in that environment because you help them comfortably, slowly guiding them, like you said, as a dominant should guide them in their body to go into a place that they brought the dominant to and the dominant is just pushing along with because as the top, I don't enjoy playing with a bottom that I see pain from them in a way that's like they're just taking it because I'm a pretty thing and they want me to hit them. Mm -hmm. I can't. I'm turned off on it. It throws off my actual technical skills. My mental space gets weird. Mm -hmm. When I am with someone that's like, hey, these are my hangups. These are my, my ogles and whatever like this, but I really would like to get to this space. Now, my whole ideal is getting you comfortable and your body and your mind to trust me. Yeah, your eyes might trust me. <laughs> but, <laughs> and I get it. eyes are bigger than, than what they my can eyes would, My <laughs> eyes would trust me too. I'm not going to lie. I call, I call this in, the, in, in my arts world, um, teaching to a vision versus an expectation. And the expectation mm. now, you know, if you're just doing it to the expectation, let's take this into the flogging scene again, it might be like, let's see how hard you can take it. Uh -huh. But the vision is really, where can I take you in the big picture psychologically? Where can mm -hmm. I take your headspace? And then if you think about it that way, how hard you flog doesn't matter at yeah. that point. Because you could probably be just flogging him with a bunny flogger and they could be screaming. <laughs> That's that I, probably okay, what so, he was flogging me with. He was probably <laughs> with a feather. No, I, I <laughs> actually did a flogging scene with a heavy bottom uh -huh. that I was not even using anything heavy. No way. I was flogging them with a deer skin mixed with rabbit fur flogger. Okay. And I had them blindfolded. Now, I started with a, a deer skin all over flogger, so it didn't have any other material. And afterwards, I went in with my bare hands. Now, a lot of people say their hard limit is my bare hands because they're pretty heavy. Um, so therefore, I knew when I made them think that it's heavy because my hands are like, oh, it's the hands. So I'm definitely going to get something really going. And then I came behind it just softly with my fingers, which pissed them off because mm. then I wanted to throw their head off of like, oh, no, it's no longer heavy anymore. And then I went in with the deer. They were like, I saw them like through the blindfold, like everything snapped. <laughs> Their body yeah. got in like a position like, well, what's going on here? Yeah. And then I went 
And again, with the bunny flogger, with the leather, and they were like, oh, whoo. And they're like, and they looked at each other, like, because their two play partners are like, that makes no sense. That's like, grab him. And they didn't say anything. They kept quiet because the whole thing was like, we didn't want them to know. If you talk to your bottom, psychologically make them think that that's what they're getting. Their body will react. I was already talking to them going one to their left ear and their right ear, slowly telling them a scenario of what I'm using, what I'm going to use on them and how I'm going to use them and what I was using in between what. So they knew when I was using a flogger, when I was going to use it, they knew when I was going to put my hands on them because they already knew the scenario. Mm. So I psychologically molded this individual to think that that rabbit fur flogger with slightly thin deer strips on it, which was more spongy than anything, that when it hit their skin, they were getting hit with a heavy ass deer, like like a really heavy ass bull flogger. And I have a couple that are like quarter inch thick, they're really thick. And so they thought because they seen this flogger before, that I was using that flogger on them because I've already made their mind think that. So their body was already, was getting sensitive. And yes, no, mm. it, their back did not have the nerve to welt. Yes, it did. So sometimes the mind can take the body to a place. Yeah, so, if he went, so when that top was talking to you, he already was getting your body and your mind taking there without mm-hmm. having to put any more hands on you. So your body and mind was thinking, we just got this happen, and now this is happening. And it's now this, mm. the scene is continued in the brain. Oh my God, you're giving me a boner. Stop it. <laughs> <laughs> but that is true. And, and that's, that's a skill, again, you cannot learn from a YouTube video. A YouTube video. <laughs> you can't. I just, can't. This, I just have this image of like of your sub being like totally mind fucked and they turn around and they take off the blindfold and you're holding like a feather duster. I've done that. <laughs> no, done it. They fall to their knees crying and laughing. The last two times I did that. Crying because they still was in pain. <laughs> laughing because what it was and they said right. the moment they saw the item it took a minute for their body to stop feeling weird because they had to let their mind know that no i'm looking at this it's they looked around no they looked yeah. around like you lie i know it's somewhere but all they saw on that table was a alcohol spray bottle <laughs> a feather duster i love it uh a, it looked like a long like a handle that should be for a like a writing crop but on the end of it was three ostrich like ostrich feathers uh-huh. yeah, yeah that was it that was it <laughs> because i you know i can't be really physical i yeah. have a lot of bone and joint issues and and so i can't do a lot i've also had one point broke at my collarbone and my right shoulder which is i'm glad it's my right side because I'm, I'm lefty but because of that i when i need to switch off my left to my right hand because i need to release some of the uh, you know stress mm-hmm. off my left side you know i know my right's not my strongest side and then therefore now my backup side is now messed up i had to learn ways to actually use my original skills when i first started in this lifestyle which a lot of people were into psychological play they wanted more of the the raw visual sexual stuff that's on videos because a lot of people weren't understanding that there's more than just the physical mm-hmm. and when after they try out the stuff in the video and realize there's something missing why are you having me dressed up like this and you doing this is not enough? And then they start reading into books and seeing going deeper, like, oh, we were supposed to start the scene with a little bit of like, you know, foreplay, which is that we start talking up and getting our mindset into our roles. Yeah. And then that's why. And like, oh, ding. 
Well, that was exactly it. I think that I started off with like mental stuff because I couldn't physically do a lot. I mean, that's, that's what we all want. I mean, I want the mind fuck, like, you know what Mm -hmm. I mean? Like brainwash me for a minute and like, get me to that place. That's where the energy is. Like that's necessary because that's what actually prolongs the physical scene. If you don't do that, flogging or spanking, paddling or having some restraint for longer than 15 minutes, the body's like, and we're stained. We're done. We, yeah. we can't get any higher or harder than this. You've used all the thing in the kitchen sink on us. We already know you did. We felt it. And what now? You want to stretch that out. You need to put in a little bit of, I want to say, psychological and, 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 and you know, energy, you know, uh, exchange, you know, interludes or breaks or, yeah. you know, uh, what they call it, um, intermissions. I do that in my in my pro sessions and in my edu- in my workshops with my mentees when we do get to have them in my home setting. Mm-hmm. I prefer them at home because then I'm. All, all the pretentiousness is thrown out the window. We're all in leggings and t-shirts. Let's chill. Um, <laughs> you know, we have, we have drinks. We, you know, we, 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 we had a smoke. Let's sit down and let's just get real. We have a 30 minute check-in. We talk about each other's lives and how things are going. So I understand their mindset so that I know how hard I can be on them. Cause if they have a lot going on in their regular life, I'm not going to be like, you know, sergeant slaughter on them at, at, at class, even though that's what they like from me. There's some days and times that they may not be able to digest what they're about to learn this you know, afternoon if I'm getting on them like that because they mm-hmm. have shit going on at home. So I try that in my mentorship meetings that we sit down, I keep it real, I get into their minds. We all have an individual mind meditation with me and then we have a group meditation and then we go into what our subject is. Okay, we're going to tie up Josie and put pins in so-and-so. Oh All right. <laughs> you know, but you have to get them comfortable because yeah. my some of my mentees and, uh, you know, they have never experienced some of the things that we're about to try. And they're going to entrust that I'm not going to let this individual just do anything to them. But they want to have the experience. Plus, then also they want to learn how it is to, you know, to do things. So I have a person topping and I have a person bottoming. And that's mm. how I do it. And I sit there kind of like uh, like observing and supervision. And if there's certain things they're not comfortable or confident doing, then I will do it by hand. And then they pretty much watch along and they, they be my prep and assistant and mm. go back and forth. And I do it this way so that I feel like I'm teaching you in a way that it, you know that this is a skill. This is not in an art. And it's not just something we do to each other. It is what we do to each other. Mm-hmm. But you know that's only we have part to, of it yeah. it's only part of it and we need to have that type of dignity and air to it so that you know it's appreciated and enjoyed in the in all of its glory i don't want to be just seen as a quote-unquote sex worker i love it mm-hmm. but i want to be known as a worker of the arts of erotic mind and body pleasure i want to be able to train other people and also constantly educate and be educated to myself and myself Mm. to be in my 70s and 80s and still have subs and submissives who entrust me with their viewpoints and I'm to educate them and hopefully still be able to not be so closed-minded that I'm able to adapt to the environment as it changes Mm. a lot has changed psychologically emotionally and or like the our the physical the physicalities of our lifestyles in the last 20 
three or four years that I've been dipping in my toes, swimming in the water and drinking the Kool-Aid. And because of that, I had to sit down and go, well, do I just want to be like some that I get stuck in my ways and be like, oh, it's always supposed to be this way because I don't. Mm-hmm. I want to see this as the lifestyle that I evolve with it, just like I enjoy certain types of foods and certain types of art. I don't want to ever not not be able to connect just because the fact that my style at the time might seem to be, quote unquote, mm, too <laughs> old school. Mina, we don't have enough time. I want to talk with you about all of this, right? Like for two more hours. We can talk. We can also talk in person if you want. You know, we're going out for a drink after this, but like, um, okay, hold on one second. So we have about like 10 minutes left. I want to get into your title and um, just how you came up upon the title system, maybe your first experience. But I I do want to comment on the last thing you said, because it, it is, I, like I'm hundred percent vibing with you on that thought. I can't tell you how many people, which I totally respect because I wish I was, I was there too, you know, but I mm-hmm. wasn't where the, you get the, the old, old timer saying, well, back in my day, we didn't used to do stuff like this. We did it like this and did it like that. And I'm like mm-hmm. thinking, well, I wasn't there. And like, uh-huh. I don't really, I don't like, I will never know what that experience is like. Uh, because that was a different time and our understandings of this and that are different now. Like uh, the dynamic is different now. And like, yeah, maybe in your day there weren't leather pups, but, but there wasn't a lot of options back in the day, but you know, like, yeah. And, and something that I don't know if you talked to Miss Sanctuary Leather 2020, something she said in, um, in her podcast, which I thought was hilarious. She goes, you know, some things that were good yesterday are not good today lead mm-hmm. paint for example Word. let's be honest <laughs> nobody wants you know? asbestos which is fine but it was the, but it was the thing back in the day we didn't right. know it was bad we didn't right. know exactly um, um i acquired my title oddly through an event that still goes around it's called domcon los angeles mm-hmm. i was currently at the time still what i saw in my mindset a service top And I was training and educating not just myself, but through multiple doms and tops um, in a mentor camaraderie exchange for years. Um, From my knowledge of the little things I enjoy doing uh, at that time. And I was at DomCon 2008. And I kind of was in a point in my life that I just started um, ex- I guess you could say exploring my sexuality, started dating guys and more one of those have more fetish interactions. So I was uh, in a fetish dynamic because um, at that point I wanted to interject, trying to see how it incorporating kink into my vanilla relationships or relationships with people who wanted to have kinky relationships. Because I've uh, even to now, I most of all my relationships were people who were vanilla or not even in the lifestyle. I came, I already was working with and interacting and doing volunteer work and helping out whenever necessary for all do because I respect her and I love to work mm-hmm. and also utilize her, her space for my photo shoots and gone to her play parties when they had a space in their CETA. Um, Miss Diane was like, I have a leather title that I've been producing. I've been really interested in trying to find individuals I would think that would would be good representatives who would love to go up for this competition. 
Mm. Um, we are going to be doing it at DomCon. It was very last minute. We were trying to figure out if we want to do it there or somewhere else. You know, we want to try to incorporate the two. So, oh, that sounds great. I'm not thinking that this woman's trying to like look at me like, yeah, you should go for this. Um, mm. One, because in my head, I was like, well, what would, what would, I don't want people thinking that you just give me this title because who I am. I want to earn it just like, you know, like competitors. Right. In my head, I saw the title kind of like syndication, um, more like the gladiatorial type of mindset. These are the best of the best of their of their regions and or their their city, states, and countries that they are representing their spin on their mindset about the title they're about to basically represent for a year. Hmm. West Coast Olympus to me was like, oh my God, the whole West Coast United States, not just a state. Yeah. Also, I have to be open to basically tell and be myself along with watch my P's and Q's and represent all that, what we call the mission statement of the title. All you yeah. kids out there, a title is not just, you know, again, a pageantry. You're also a representative of a mindset, a viewpoint, a philosophy. That is what your title represents. May it be completely uh, being representatives of a good time or being a representative of an uh, or of a 3-0 whatever organization that actually raises money and or does other type of feats. So when you go out there to get a title or, or compete for one, know that you're, you're giving your all and also representing it on behalf. So it's a, a lot of you and a little bit of them. And you're going to have to learn how you to like meld those two together during your title year. And those are some things I didn't know. I didn't have any title holder friends. I didn't know any other title holders. I was pretty much more known in the professional and DS world, not so much in the leather world, even though I volunteered, interact and went to events. I was just looked upon as like, oh, she's that that pro dom girl. She's so cute. You know, pat me on the head. Mm -hmm. She's pretty. She's a little shiny girl. That's nice. Cause I was known mainly in latex and mm -hmm. rubber. Cause I'm a rubberist. I'm not going to lie. I mean, when I came in this community, I was a rubberist. There's nothing wrong with that. But my, my viewpoints of things I clung to were leather minded based on what people I was running into the, the community was telling me. And that's why I started pursuing more. So the leather viewpoints and trying to get more into the philosophy and the history of how individuals consider themselves leather men and now comfortably leather women mm -hmm. and so with that in mind i was swirling my head how am i supposed to be the best of this representative well a couple other people were supposed to compete against who were able to make it so it made me feel really bad that i was the only person that was competing because i'm like great now it's really gonna look like i was just given this shit and after i saw who were my judges i went oh no it's gonna be a battle for the bulge and you know what bring it so of course, I'm surprised some of you they didn't. Uh, I'm surprised they didn't put you up against a plant like they did that one year for uh, Mr. Oh, Sister. <laughs> that's awful, awful. No, they, I, they really I wouldn't didn't. mind that either. At least I would feel like I had something to look at. But no, the, I feel worse so when it's by yourself because when you're on uh, your own and you're competing, you still have to make the points to cover the spread. It's mm -hmm. just like a game. You know, you can't just go out there and oh, because you're the only contendent, we're going to just give you this title because we need a male and a female representative. Uh -uh. 
quite a few titles, including my title. If there is no one going for the female or MX title, I guess we are only going to be able to have a competition for the male. If we happen to have female competitors that signed up and everything is true to ledger, they are allowed to compete, even if it's their own and et cetera. The reason being we have that is because we're not just going to don a person with our viewpoints and be a representative of the title's mission statement just because they showed up to camp mm-hmm. you know everyone anyone can do that no offense given or taken i hope guys but you really do have to kind of show what are you going to put your spin in for them to feel like you're a good representative and so yes almost everything exception of my high leathers um i guess you could say leather dress was all in rubber and then when they did see me in leather they were like huh okay hmm mm-hmm. i guess so Tell me why you felt, you know, like they still looked at me as like, you're just wearing it for fashion. Like, no, the reason why I don't wear leather is because I was raised. I'm supposed to earn every piece that's on my body. Hmm. My boots. I'm a, I'm a rivet industrial goth girl. Okay. So these are the boots I've been trucking through different countries, different fucking mosh pits, different types of fucking like industrial shows. This scuff is from Frontline Assembly. This split on my leather boot is from me moshing at Combo Christ. This is from KMFDN. Like, <laughs> this yeah. is what I said in my in, in my actual interview because I wanted to let them know that was more than just what a, a, a well leather clad individual is yes i can be dressed in the wares of your choice but i am a, you know you, yeah but it body. means something to me i rather wear things that represent my experiences versus just the fact that i'm wearing it and i think that's what kind of helped me past mm. that point because they were giving me you know some scrutiny they, they should right. i want to be scrutinized i want you to ask as many questions because when we're at a bar or an event or or a fundraiser as ourselves when we're given our title we're gonna have to be able to answer the same questions and maybe not in the most nicest form and tone by a complete stranger who might feel that they have something that they want to know oh hmm you're nice looking do tell me how you are a good representative of mm-hmm. what it is that you're here as and that's why i i didn't take offense yeah I, there was points that at the end of the questioning i i went back to my room and cried for a minute and it was because i had to think about it. i was like well they probably never met something like you mm-hmm. you're coming up in here with viewpoints and ideals as most of the people that are in your you know uh, judge pool are old school leather ain't fucking around yeah. You're some cute little fashionista broad that happens to be a pro dom in their eyes, walking up in here, talking leather philosophy. And even though they can feel it from you, they, they're still looking at you like, what you talking about, Willis? And I respected that. And so yeah. when I was still given that title and then the next year we didn't have a competition and I was deemed to continue that title on. To me, it was like I did a good enough job to let them know. That I'm mm-hmm. not gonna sully their 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 title in any form whatsoever. If anything, this will help me in my journey into bettering myself, so that I can be not just a better leather person, but also a better le- like you know master leather person. Because I was intrigued and desired to be a senior or to be an elder in my community. Because at that time, I was in my 20s, but I knew I wasn't going anywhere, and I'm not. And now mm-hmm. I'm in my early like early 40s. I'm not going anywhere. So yeah. if anything, if I'm going to be the quote-unquote elders of tomorrow, 
because my elders, sadly, are some of them are retiring. Quite mm-hmm. a few of them don't go out anymore. Some of them, you know, are no longer have went to the eternal world or, you know, to the big, huge leather clad, you know, dungeon in the sky. And because of that, I have to think about what can I offer others to replace them? Because the ones I've had when they retire or move on, I need to be able to carry their history and my history and teach both their history and my history to the new soon to be history, because Mm -hmm. that's what our job is supposed to be. I don't ever want to have anyone in this day and age feel like they had no one to connect with when we have all these resources and individuals around who can be able to be good resources. Absolutely. Mina, I could talk with you for five more hours and we're going to, we're going to grab a drink at the bullet and (laughs) how about it? But before we go, I wonder if you could leave us with any last words, maybe for those of us who are new to the scene or maybe those who are uh, maybe going to be running for a title in in the near future, newbies like me, um, Mm -hmm. what would you, what would be your word of advice for some of those individuals? Don't run for anything you don't think you can give 100% of yourself to. Mm-hmm. I knew what I was going to be doing, but didn't understand how much of myself I will be sacrificing for it. I had to change careers and had to stop my actual uh, side business and a great deal of my pro business being a representative because it was not helpful or cohesive with what I was doing. Mm -hmm. So keep that in mind. Also know that you're also adding a link in the chain of history and present and being a form of, I guess you can say representation to many of others who are like you or have or connect to you in ways. So don't just think you're just going out there being somebody just for the sake of. You're actually going out there to be somebody for a lot of people. Um, Also, forgive yourself and give a lot of time to yourself. I see a lot of title holders burn themselves out. I had to do an international, two international competitions readily right after when I won mine, and that was pretty brutal. Um, I first runner up to one and lost the other, but hey, it was an experience. Mm-hmm. And I want folks to know, don't do more than you can't do. If you can only do your title year and the what we call obligated title competitions afterwards, like an international, whatever, depending if it's a regional or non-regional, um, please be honest to your producers and yourselves. Mm-hmm. Don't dig yourself in a hole that you end up feeling like your experience is not worth it uh, wasn't worthy and or acknowledgeable. Uh, Instead, it was treacherous and stressful. And that's pretty much my thing for uh, folks who want to do titles. And in individuals in the lifestyle period, remember this. You are part of the pool of humanity in the world. You're a representative and not just of what you've learned and experiences from a child to your three-year adult years, but also what you're willing to offer your lovers, your friends, your community, and or those who happen to walk past you in the grocery store. Don't be ashamed of what you are and who you are, because without you, who else is going to represent the type of individual you happen to become? And therefore, we're still all bits and links in a big, huge chain called existence. Be proud of yourself. Be a little bit more, I guess you can say, forgiving, but also 
Be humble by what it is that you learn when you fall. Sometimes scuffs and scrapes on our soul and our body teaches that we are too human and that we're always going to be growing and learning until we die. And that's all I have to say. Well, thank you again, Mina, for coming on the show. As always, you guys, you can find me on Patreon and Instagram as Leather Talk Mr. Bullet and Twitter as Brandon Bullet LA. Thanks again for listening. And as always, stay safe, stay healthy, and stay kinky. Ah!